Scripture memory verse tonight, Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. And I'd like for you to also add with that, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the... Well, I, I thought I knew it. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's the rest of the thought. The whole thought. I didn't want to assign that as a whole scripture. But we also need to know that we're keeping ourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Anybody else? Don't. You don't Jude fall 20. on each other. Get out of the way, Dina. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on on the most holy of faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Where is Jude, it at? Jude 20. Good job. Anybody else? <clears throat> Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy of faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20. Good job. Anybody else? <clears throat> but you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most Holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Good job. Anybody else? Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20. Good job. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to get some context. I want to get some context. I almost taught the whole book, and then I said, no, I can't do it any justice in one night, although I thought I might have been able to. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to give a little bit of highlights to let us have some context of what's going on. Of course, Jude is, uh, Judas is the actual name, Judas, but nobody wanted to be known as Judas afterwards. But it's the same thing, and it's James's brother. And as verse one, you can see Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. James, of course, is the same as Jacob. It's a supplanter. It's the same name, but it's the Greek or the English name for Jacob. Uh, and uh, they're both the half brothers of Jesus, and they broke, both wrote letters to us. This one was a circular letter that Jude was going to write, and you can read these things. It's in uh, verse 3. He was going to write a letter uh, just concerning the common faith, the common salvation that we have together. And as he was doing that, the Holy Spirit changed his mind, uh, and he found it necessary, verse 3, to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. 
And then he tells us why. Why, did, why are you writing for us to contend earnestly for the faith? And, and, and then he begins to tell us about the apostasy, about men who have crept in and men that have been, they, they, they were actually marked long ago for this judgment, this condemnation, and they're ungodly man. And they come in and they turn the grace of God into lewdness or lasciviousness or, or, or lawlessness. And they teach these things and they begin to lead people astray. And, and it's in the church. They join the church. They creep in. We call them creeps. And they're false teachers that, that are deceived and deceiving. And it leads to apostasy. And that's where this comes from. And that's what our verse is about is the contrast. But you, beloved... Not, you're not going out yelling at them. You're not going out screaming at them. You're not trying to fight them. You're not trying to pull them out. You're not trying to get rid of them. What you're doing is standing in the faith. You're contending earnestly for the faith. But you, beloved, building yourself up in on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then, what does he say? Um... Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so he's telling us how to react to the apostasy. Then he says, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. But this is about showing that in the Old Testament, the testimonies of those who led people astray. But what did they do? Listen, we are to contend. There's about three points I want to make. We are to contend earnestly for the faith because of the apostasy. And where does it come from? It comes from, if you look with me, verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers, these creeps, they're creeps. They defile, they contaminate the flesh. They reject authority. This is really the problem when you reject authority. It's where, this is all about coming back underneath the authority of God, back to his word. And so when you look, he even gives you uh, examples of it, of people rejecting authority and speaking evil of leaders. Uh, and he talks, the first one is about uh, how, verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, think about it, this is an archangel under the authority of God. He, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Notice this, he understood authority. He understood what he's doing. And you and me, we should not try to fight the devil on our own. We say, the Lord rebuke you, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we plead the blood. We know where our authority comes from. And Michael didn't try to act like that he was greater than or stronger than, but he stood in and under the authority of Jesus Christ. The Lord rebuke you. And then he said, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and, and whatever they know naturally, and of course that's just uh, the natural man, the earthly, central, demonic wisdom, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. 
And then he gives the woe, and he gives us three types of people that rejected authority, three types of people that, that were apostate, three types of people that didn't follow God but followed what they wanted to do. And he says, uh, woe to them, verse 11, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Now, Cain just brought an offering, but what did he do? He rejected the instruction of God. Abel followed the instruction of God. We don't know where they got the instruction, how it was relayed to them, but we do know that they were clearly told how to bring an offering, how to worship God. We do know that they that they knew that. And then gone in the air, excuse me, and have run greedily in the air of Balaam. Do you guys remember Balaam? Now most of these uh, Genesis is is Cain, but Numbers 16 and then Numbers 22, you can see Korah and Balaam. Balaam was some type of a priest or a prophet and Balak the king of Moab sent to him why because he was afraid of God's people he was afraid he seen he looked out over the hill and he seen all of God's people coming across the wilderness and he said wow did you hear the testimony of how God delivered those people out of Egypt and how he has destroyed the nations as they come through them and so he said sent for Balaam and offered him money to uh, speak against God's people. And Balaam, he, he was rejecting God's authority, his word. He rejected his word not to go, was the first thing. And then he hedged his bat. And then he started to go. And then God said, okay, go ahead and go. But only say what I tell you to say. And then he had the thing with the mule, where the mule spoke to him. Where he, if you know your Bible, you know these. I'm not trying to spend a lot of time here. But he was rejecting the authority of the word of God because he wanted the gain. He wanted the money. He wanted the things of this world. So he rejected God's authority in his life to pursue stuff. Now, how does that, how does it end up? You know what? He ends up uh, blessing Israel three times and he listens to God. So he's doing that. But what did he do behind the scenes? He told Balak, the king of Moab, how to deceive the children of Israel was to send their women down to sleep with the men and invite them to their worship services. And, and they would go to them. And then he corrupted them through sexual immorality. He destroyed them. And that's really a lot of what was going on. If you read the text, the other apostasy uh, about the de the angels that didn't keep their proper domain, about Sodom and Gomorrah. All of this is in here where they the, it starts with rejecting authority. When you reject authority, God is ordering his court. He's got a perfect court. And it's God's authority. It's God's word. And did God say is the question the devil asks. Did God really say? And that's why we need to know what God said so that creeps don't creep in and deceive us. And we're going to get to that point in a minute because it's a personal thing where you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. Not mine, yours. It's a personal faith. We can put it together, but you need to understand that so a creep doesn't creep in and deceive you and lead you away, you have to have a personal relationship. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it has to be that personal relationship. You cannot be following a movement. You cannot be following a person. It needs to be following Jesus and listening to him. And then, of course, the third one there was, uh, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. 
uh, and I don't know if you know that, Korah was a uh, son of somebody who was the son of Levi, number 16.1. I don't remember the other name. But he, he was, he's actually a Levitical priest. And there was about, he, he stirred up about 250 of them to come against Moses and Aaron. And you can read it in number 16. Uh, I think it's 1 through 35. Um, and he stirred them up and said, you put too much upon yourself. We, we know the word of God too. We know who God is too. We know how to worship God too. And, and came against authority. And you know what the authority did? And you can go read it in that chapter. Aaron and, and Moses hit the sand. They, they put their face in the sand and pleaded for God not to destroy him. Pleaded for God not to kill those apostates and people that reject the authority of God and God's word and God's people and his messenger when he sends them. They pleaded with him. And what happened? God did a new thing. Moses said, God will do a new thing. Get away from the tents of Korah. All of his family, everything about him, the ground opened up in 80. And then God brought fire down and killed the other 250 people. Because they rejected authority. It's very important to understand. If you want to stay away from the apostasy, learn the authorities in your life. Learn the authorities of the Word of God. Learn what God is doing and build yourself up. Build the, from the foundation. We're going to go there and look in a minute. But you have to understand authority. Everything about rebellion is rejecting authority. So who's the authority in my life? Everything about rebellion is rejecting authority. And so then he goes on and talks more about what the apostates are uh, and how they serve only themselves, verse 12. He, tell, he says they have no fruit. They're twice dead, uh, like late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead. Um, and he continues to tell us, I'm not going to do it all. So we'll start back in 16. But he tells us the characteristics of them. And here's the last part of it, which starts it really and creates it. And you can get into it. Listen, somebody can be bitter and bitterness will defile many. When somebody's bitter and they start talking about a leader, they start talking about authority. When they start talking about people and you join in and say, yeah, and I've seen it too. You've got to be very careful because you're treading on very dangerous ground. Because when you are complaining against authority, when you're, you're coming against authority, you're really coming against God. There is no authority except the authority that is from God. Every leader, every ruler has been, God allows it. You cannot stop it when God is on the move. You can't stop it. And when you get involved in the physical like that, trying to use your own selves or your own sensual demonic uh, 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 wisdom, the way they did, the natural wisdom of the natural things of the carnal things, um, you need to be very careful because though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, for the casting down of, of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's not, it's not physical tools we fight with. It's in the spiritual realm. And we fight in prayer. We go to prayer. We, we, we put our shields of faith together. And we pray for people. And we stand in the gap. But we don't go out and put physical hands or physical body on people. That's not the war we're fighting. Now, that's not nothing to do with protecting your own home and things like that. There's things that you might need to do in order to protect your family. 
Because rulers and authorities, that's what they're there for, is to protect others. Governments are there are to protect the people. They're not there for any other reason. But God told us how governments would become completely corrupt. Listen, God warned his people, Israel. He warns us. We understand what governments will do, what authorities can do. But he's never told us that we can actually reject them. He tells us to obey them as long as they don't tell us to do something that is ungodly. When they tell us to do something that's ungodly, now we can choose civil disobedience. But even when you choose civil disobedience, listen, it's very important, there still can be punishment. And God will allow that. If you stand there and you say, this is what God's leading me to do in faith, then you do it. It doesn't mean that the world does not crush you for doing it. I know there's a, a TikTok out there. Somebody was showing me that, that's, that's calling for everybody to stop paying their taxes. Like that's going to do something to the government who's got a printing press and can print money. And they just devalue it. And they're just calling people saying if they're going to do illegal stuff and they're not going to follow the Constitution, then we should just not pay our taxes. And everybody do it together and they won't have any money and they won't be able to arrest you and put you in jail. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. It's just a silly, listen, if you want to do it in the physical, do it in physical. But a spiritual person that's following God should not do things like that. We're not looking to be in a fight about that. We're looking to save souls. We're looking to understand that our citizenship is in heaven. We don't want to be led astray by people that are falsely teaching things that don't line up with the Bible. Be very careful what you do. And whatever you do, do it by faith. And if you can't do it by faith, it's sin. If you can't do it in faith, it's sin. So look, he goes on and tells us that in 16, these are grumblers, murmurers. They murmur. They're murmuring under their breath. So they grumble. They're complainers. And it really, this word complainers, you know what it means? It means blaming fate. That's a very interesting thought when you think about it. Blaming fate. Um, complaining about one's life, or one's lot in life, discontent. So really, think about it for a minute. If God is sovereign and he allows it, Maybe you sown it and you reaped it, but it's still there. And then you're complaining about it instead of saying, Lord, how do I react to this? What do I learn from it? What wisdom do I share through it? How do I go through this with you, God? Because I know you allowed it. See, you're complaining about your lot in life. Then you're complaining about God because he's allowed that to shape you, to mold you. To, to cut away at you, to teach you a, the lessons that you need to learn to grow in life. So we want to add godly wisdom to that instead of complaining about it. Listen, I'm chief of complainers. I'm just telling you what leads us to apostasy is being not content with what God is doing in our life. Con godliness with contentment is great gain. And so they're complainers. Look, walking according to their own lust, their own desires, according to their own self. Uh, there's so much of this going on in the church today. 
Instead of knowing the Word of God, being led by the Spirit of God, being the children of God, looking to hear the voice of God, listening for what the Spirit is doing in your life, <clears throat> we, uh, we follow our own lust. And, and this, this is that word lust there means desire or craving, a longing especially for that which is forbidden. Think about that. That's exactly what the devil used on Eve. When he tempted her, that which was forbid, forbidden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tempted her with it. And he continued to entice her by telling her God was holding back. And she wasn't content with walking daily with her husband in the garden with God. And the devil convinced her to sin. And they mouth great swelling words, good orators. They might talk a good game, but it has nothing to do with the Word of God. Flattering people to gain advantage. Listen, listen. When a preacher doesn't preach the truth from the Bible, and he just softly gives a gospel to keep people coming in to put money in the plate, there's a problem. He's flattering you. He doesn't want to help you grow and be sanctified and cleansed. He doesn't want to join with the Holy Spirit to, have, to, to get you sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water through the Word. If you listen to a message about the Bible and there's, no, there's, there's nothing there, there's a problem. There has to be meat there to make you grow because we're all on the grow. There should be, uh, there should be exhortation to build up, to grow, to die to self, to know that there's things in our life that are wrong and God is using his scalpel of the word, the sword of the spirit, to cut away at these things. And many times all you have is flattery. See, flattery is, is just as bad as gossip. Just as bad as gossip, if not worse. When you flatter somebody to gain advantage, to manipulate and con them and move them. You've got a good heart, Timmy. Start stacking chairs, you know. And, and, and it's a flattery. You say something good first to manipulate so that you can, right? That, that's flattery. That's manipulation. That's con. That's, that, that, is, that is bad. It's not good. But this is a lot of times what happened. Great swelling words with flattery. And, and somebody has said that the definition of flattery is saying something to somebody's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. So you're saying it to their face, but you never say it out there. You never tell other people that this is about them. You only do it to motivate and with great swelling words to gain advantage over that person so that they will do your bidding for you. That's not what God is doing. That's not what God wants his preachers or his teachers or the word of God to do in our life. He wants us to be conformed to his image, to become like him. And so, and then gossip, of course, is saying something behind your back that I won't say to your face. That's gossip. I mean, that's that's what we do. We talk behind people's back. They're both, they both are, they bring destruction. 17, but you, <clears throat> beloved, notice the contrast. See, he's, he's telling us about what's going on. And then he's telling us the contrast of how we can contend for the faith earnestly that was once delivered to the saints. And he's going to get back to this. We're, what are we doing? Uh, we're building yourselves up in the most holy faith. That's what he told us to contend for. The faith that was once delivered to us. But anyway, 17. But you, beloved, 
remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last times, the, the last days, who would walk according to their own ungodly desires. Listen, their own ungodly lust. We've been warned that they were coming. We know this should not, this should not surprise us. We should keep contending for the faith. We should not get caught up in what they're doing. We know that, that the church is apostate. We know that, that people are following the apostasy because they like to be preached to and flattered. They like, to, they, they like to hear this stuff, and they don't mind people taking advantage of them as long as they feel good about themselves. But see, they'll get mad at somebody that speaks the word of God, and it makes them go, ooh, that's me. I need to deal with that. But see, that's what God is doing in the spirit. He's washing and cleansing us. He's showing us our own face in his perfect law of liberty as we look into it. And then we ask him, how do I deal with it? Because I have no capacity to do it. Think about that. These fallen angels, they have no capacity. They can't change. They're trapped in disobedience. But Christ come and died for us so that we could come out of that and have a new heart. We don't have to stay trapped in it. We don't have to stay in bondage. We don't have to stay deceived. We have a choice. But a lot of times we like our sins, so we let them gain advantage. We stay where we're at. We do what we do. And as long as it feels good, we do it. Not, not godly. I mean, there's a lot of preachers out there preaching, follow your heart. Just do what you feel like doing. It's okay. Be your best self. They're preaching all of this stuff that basically is another way of saying, do what thou wilt. Satan's mantra. Who wrote the rules anyway? You don't have to be under authority. Wait. Where in the world can the church be? It has to be apostate. We need to remember that these people were going to come. They're mockers. They're mocking God. They mock God. I mean, I, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard a Christian say, yeah, but he, they've been saying he's coming forever. Well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Unbelievers say that. Christians know he's coming. If you know the truth, we know he's coming. He might not come back in our lifetime, but a purifying factor is looking, looking for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto eternal life we keep looking up we keep watching and waiting we're looking for him he's our only hope he's the anchor to our soul let me show you this in real time verse 18 mockers last time you want to see mockers and apostate go to uh, exodus 32 as you're reading a couple days ago exodus 32 1 i got stuck in this verse and couldn't get out of it michael's laughing at me because he knows i couldn't get out of it this is the mockers. This is the apostates that you see. There's examples in the Bible everywhere when they get tired of waiting and following God. And they rise up and play. <clears throat> now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together. They gathered together to themselves and to who? To Aaron, the light bearer, the light bringer. They gathered together and said to him, here's what they said to the church, 
See, we're the light. We're the ones that's bringing the light. And Jesus is delaying his coming, they think. No, he's going to come in the he's going to come at the perfect time. He's not tarrying, he's not doing anything except waiting till the Father says, "Go get them." It's a perfect salvation, a perfect gospel, a perfect kingdom. It, it's perfect. And now think about this for a minute, the number of judgment. That's how long Moses has been gone. 40 days. 40 days. They couldn't wait past 40 days. And they gather together to themselves without God. And they say to Aaron, who's supposed to be the priest, he's Moses' brother, he's the light bringer, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Listen, this is the same thing as mocking. It's the same thing as scoffing. And we're out here in the wilderness. Make us some other gods. And so as the church waits, these creeps creep in. As the church waits for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, creeps creep in, and they begin to make up new religious systems, new doctrine, new ways of living. And it looks just like the world. It preaches to the flesh. It preaches a man-centered gospel instead of a God-centered gospel. It preaches a gospel that is death. It doesn't preach life. And if, and if we don't learn that we need to be washed and cleansed, yes, by believing positionally we are saved, but practically we need to repent now. Jesus said, repent the kingdom of heaven. Now you begin to change your mind because your mind was made up by the devil and now you're being renewed to do the work of God through the word of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's your position. We're holy because of Christ, positionally. And then practically, you have a free will choice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, that's how you repent, metanoia. My old mind needs to be renewed because I'm thinking this way. My mind is set on the things of the devil. My mind is set on the things of the world. My mind is set on the things of selfishness. But in order to be transformed, my mind needs to be renewed, and then I become the evidence. I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me. This is where we need to be. Metanoia. When your will meets God's will or the cross, you turn and you choose God's ways. You don't say, hey, let's just make up a new God. We don't know what happened to this Jesus who's supposed to be coming to get us. Let's make up our own little religion. And if you keep reading, you'll see everything that happened and how people died in that apostasy there. They weren't no time. 40 days Moses was on the mount. And it ends up taking them 40 years to ever get to the promised land. And none of them go in except for Caleb and Joshua and everybody that's 20 and under because they did not have the knowledge of good and evil. That's... Uh, Deuteronomy 119, no, 130, I better get that quote right. Deuteronomy 1, I got it wrong the other day. Um, let me just read this to you because a lot of times that's what we say. That's our excuses. Well, I, I'm okay with what they're doing except for I'm just worried about my grandchildren. I'm just worried about my children. Listen to me. That's exactly the same thing that the children of Israel said to God when they wouldn't enter into his rest. 
when they wouldn't go into the promised land. It's 139. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But verse 40, but as for you, judgment, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Listen to me. We always worry about it, but God's got a provision for everybody. He's got this taken care of. It's a perfect salvation. That's a scripture that will blow your mind right there. Okay, let's go back. Listen, there's mockers, but, but there's so many mockers in the church. There's so many people in the church. They'll mock you if you say, hey, we're supposed to be living by faith. We're not supposed to be caught up in that. No one called to be a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he might please him who called him to be a soldier. Well, you can't just bury your head. No, I just keep my heart and my mind focused on the things of God. <clears throat> my mind is not focused on the things of this world, or at least I try not to put them focused on the things of this world. Because we shouldn't have to sit around and guess, wonder, and worry, and be anxious about these things. God loves us. He bought us. He'll take care of us. He got all of his children through. He always does. None are lost except for the son of perdition. But we must do it his way and not listen to apostates. Not listen to liars. Not listen to deceivers. Not listen to people that preach a different gospel. Well, how do I know which gospel? Read the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Listen, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. The Holy Spirit seals you. He's Christ himself. The Lord is the Spirit. God is a Spirit. The Spirit wants a love relationship. He plants his seed in the, in the soil of your heart. And if your heart is real hard, guess what? It won't bear no fruit. If it's, if it's, if it's rocky ground, won't even receive the Word of God. You got to allow the pain of life to, to turn up that fallow ground and receive that fruit. <coughs> and by how much you obey, some will burn 30, some 60, some 100 fold. <coughs> but you have to ask God for even the power to obey, even the strength to obey. Lord, I do not want to do this. You know, if you're if you're in sin and you say to God, uh, uh, I don't I don't want to do this, I don't like this, uh, you're lying to him. Because sin is good for a season. What you want to say to God is, is God, I like this. Would you take that away from me? I don't want this nature to be in me. I want a new nature that doesn't desire this. That's what you say to God. Be honest with God. That's what the Holy Spirit teaches us to do when we're praying, is to pray with wisdom, to pray specifically, and to supplicate with God in a way that we're really being honest with God about what's going on. Not lying to him. He's the only one. He already knows anyway. Focus on God. Look to God and stop looking at sin. Everybody's got sin. Nobody's without sin. James even says if you could tame the tongue, you'd be a perfect man. So we know that we can't tame the tongue. But who is James? Oh, Cam on these. I like this because we're going to talk about praying. They called him camel knees because he, he prayed so much he had calluses on his knees from the hot sand. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. 
Where are you going to win at? In prayer. It's the number one thing. It's the way of worship. And it's bowing down and going, no, I'm not getting up yet. I'm staying right here praying with God until I hear something. Spending time with God in prayer. It takes death to self because we want to get up and go get coffee. We want to get up and go answer the doorbell we thought we heard. We want to get up and go to work. We want to get up and do things that we don't need to be doing until we've met with God. I'm serious. This is a really serious thing that most people do not pray. Or they throw up a token prayer that's only according to their desires and what they want and what they need that's a physical need instead of praying about spiritual needs. Instead of asking the Holy Spirit, how do I pray about this? How do we pray about these people? Oh, heal grandma. Well, maybe grandma's supposed to die today. I'm sorry. 100% of people die. And if she's called to die today, it's to deal with the other lives that are still alive. Because God uses death to bring life. So sometimes we're not supposed to pray. The way that we always do, according to our emotions and feelings and our lust and our desires... We're supposed to pray in the Holy Spirit because we're led by the Spirit. It would improve our lives greatly to let the Spirit lead us because Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. See, if we're not underneath the authority of the Holy Spirit, we're not God's children. Authority. We rejecting the we're rejecting. Don't tell me. Talk to the hand. When you reject the word of God, you're rejecting the spirit of God. They're one of the same. Sorry. Verse 19. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. See that? He says exactly that. And sensual doesn't mean sexual here. It just means that they desire only their own physical. It's, it's more of the word, uh, psych, it, it's psychikos. Psych, it's, never mind, it's sohikos. <laughs> I was being a Kentuckian for a minute. It's so, I am from Kentucky, so don't get mad and write me an email. Sohikos is how it's pronounced, but it's got the word psychology in it. It starts with psycho, just like. P-S-Y-C-H. That's how it's spelled. And, and again, it's psychology. And we are not supposed to be following philosophy. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ, who is the head of all principality and powers. And you are complete in him. Excuse me, I said that a little backward. Who is the head of all principality and power? Not according to Christ, yeah. I uh, had a meeting with, or talked with a guy today. I stopped and was trying to figure out what was going on. I go, oh, there's somebody in that building. I want to see what's going on. And it turns out he's a counselor, and I'm not speaking ill of him. He needs to get saved. I, I'm, uh, you know, and he's selling crystals and, and, and shaman, shamanism. He's selling the dream catchers, which are as evil as can be. Dream catchers are evil. If you don't know that, you need to learn that. It's shamanism, it's Indian mysticism. And, and he says, you know, you got a sign that says he's doing spiritual counseling. And I said, so, oh, you know the Bible then? And I had a long conversation with him about the Bible and gave him the gospel. And I wasn't doing it to be mean. I was just saying 
that people are turning away from God's word and rejecting authority. And when you do, there's a bunch of other spirits to pick you up. And you begin to worship everything except for God. And that's what's going on in the world. We don't have a political problem. We don't have a, 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 a skin problem. We have a sin problem and a rejecting of authority problem where we will not come back to God who's provided a perfect salvation with a perfect sacrifice. It's a free gift and we reject it or we let somebody lie to us and deceive us and lead us away from that free gift because we like what they're saying and it doesn't line up with the roadmap of the Word of God, the Emmanuel, God with us. That's why he wants us to learn that these people do not have the Spirit of God. And he says, but you, this is where we're coming to that contrast again. How do I survive in this apostasy? How do I get through this? How am I going to make it? Listen, it's a personal love relationship. But you, beloved, he loves you. Little born again ones, you, beloved. Let me see what the word was. It's agapatas. Esteemed. It actually means favorite. It's actually the word that was used in Matthew 3.17 when Jesus was, the first time when Jesus was baptized. And he said, um, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him, he says. Clearly, building yourself up on your most holy faith. What are you building yourself up on right now? What gets you out of bed? Or maybe you're staying in bed. What gets you up? What are you building on? Is it on sand? Is it on your holy, set-apart, hagios faith? Same word that is used for saint, for consecrated, to be separated. It's going to be used here again in a minute. And it's the same word. Well, how do I build myself up in my most holy of faith? To start with, you stop listening to apostates. Stop listening to people that don't know the Bible. Stop asking for counsel from people that don't know nothing about God. They're going to they're gonna lead you away. They're sensual. They don't have the spirit. How do you build yourself up? Well, I believe it's the word prayer and fellowship. He's going to tell you first that prayer is first. It's Acts 2.42. You get into the word prayer and fellowship. You find out what the will of God is. You, you learn how to walk as circumspectly, as exactly, as, as, as diligently as you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're growing your faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Arise from your sleep, wake from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil, finding out what the will of the Lord is. And be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, being thankful. And then he says, submitting to one another. And then he goes on to how wives should submit to husbands and then how husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. I'm trying to find it for you uh, because... 
in my brain I lost track of it and uh, I think I quoted it a little bit wrong it's Ephesians chapter um, ooh, Galatians Ephesians chapter uh, five fourteen through 21 <clears throat> giving thanks always for all things to God the, the Father in the name, character, nature, and will of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting, hupotasso uh, learning your place in, in, in military terms that's authority, you learned where you're at in military authority submitting to one another in the fear of God Are you finding out what the will of the Lord is? Are you being built up? Let's look at, uh, what is it? 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, very important. <clears throat> because this is a life of faith. You can't build on it any other way but with truth, by faith, in the Holy Spirit. Um, look at 3... You know what? Let's do 3.5. i got a little bit of time. Uh, and we'll cover another little topic here. See, there's a bunch of separation and sectarianism is what they call it, where they're all divided, and they're like, I listen to this guy, and I listen to that guy. you know. And, and Paul says this in 3.5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, pistio, as the Lord gave to each one, I planted Apollos water. What did they plant? They're preaching the word of God. They're heralding divine truth. And they received it. He planted, Apollos came in and watered it. But God gave the increase. Nobody can, can give any increase in our life, 30, 60, 100 fold, unless the Holy Spirit is doing it. You can read the word of God and you can have all the knowledge in the world and you can believe and you can puff up. But when you read the word of God and you bow down and you learn to obey it and you, you repent and change your mind and go the other direction, then God produces fruit that grows some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And there's increase. Seven, so that, that was six, by the way. That was what man does. Seven, so then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. He is the one that's going to complete the work he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. And then verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Isn't that nice? And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We're going to be rewarded by the works that we do in Christ. According to Christ. Not in the flesh, not religions. We talked about this the other day. And then he says in verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's filled. You are God's building. There's that word. That's what we're doing. We're building ourselves up on our most holy faith. According to the grace of God which was given to me. Notice where he places all of the power, all of the calling, all of the might. According to the grace of God that was given to him. If we have anything, it's because of the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. 
but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Listen to me. He's the rock. Built on the rock, not the sand. People are worshiping crystals. They're worshiping rocks. Instead of worshiping the rock who created the heavens and the earth, we worship a crystal and we give it power over our lives. That is very sad. I'm not mocking it. I'm saying it's very sad. When there's people everywhere around proclaiming truth and saying there's only one true God. He's the foundation. He's the rock. Jesus is the rock. Now if anyone, verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Guess what? Fire. God's a consuming fire. Let him burn out the dross today. Do you think if somebody's on fire and there's nothing left, they go to hell? Yeah. They just stay in eternal fire burning forever. It's going to be revealed by fire either now or then. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive reward. Now, some people will teach this text and tell you it's okay to build with gold, silver, and precious stones, but don't build with hay and stubble and straw. You can't build with any physical stuff. It has to be the spirit with truth. Worshiping in spirit and truth. The spirit washes and cleanses us with the word of God. Sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them with truth. We can only have our minds changed if we read the truth and learn the truth and hear the truth and respond to the truth. Then he changes our desires. And it might take years, but he changes them because as we confess them and agree with him, he washes us, he forgives us and washes us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But it's a long process to get to the position of the place. And in fact, we won't even be like him until we see him face to face because you can't tame the tongue and there's a lot of things going on with the flesh. But we are wholly set apart in him because of Christ now. And that makes us ambassadors as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. 14, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, it lasts through the fire, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. That's an interesting text, huh? Then he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? We're living stones being chipped away at, fitted together, being the temple of God together and separately, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We are holy. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
That's the word hagios. It, it, it's the same word for saints. It's set apart. It's consecrated. We have that position because of Christ. What are you building on? What are you building with? Are you building on Christ? Do you know Christ first? Do you believe in him? Are you beginning to learn truth and repent? Building, but, but you, beloved, building yourselves, back in our text, verse 20, up on your most holy faith. And then he tells you where to start, really. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying. Oratory chapel. Praying. Petitioning God. Let me ask you, are you praying? What are you praying? I'm, praying? I'm trying to pray truth back to God. The Holy Spirit leads me to all truth, and I'm praying back to God. It means to pray to God with earnest prayer, to worship Him. And it's in the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, if you're a saint... If you have the Spirit of God, then you're going to be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led are the children of God. And so, how can I pray and just pray in a, in a casual way and not even ask the Holy Spirit to help me? Listen, the, the Bible tells us to pray in the Holy Spirit. Paul says it again in Ephesians 6, 20, um, 20 21. He says that we should be praying. Um, let me read it. I'll read it to you. I didn't. Uh, are you praying just with your own heart? Or are you asking the Holy Spirit to lead you in prayer, to guide you in prayer, to teach you to pray? The way the boys ask Jesus to teach him to pray? Oh, it's not. It's uh, 19. No, it's actually 18. 618 of Ephesians. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then he says, pray for me that utterance may be given that I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. I've moved away from that now. But are you praying in the flesh? You're not going to build yourself up praying in the flesh. Lord, I'd really like a new... Lord, I really want a... Listen, we need to be praying about Help me not to be deceived. Lord, help me to listen to the Holy Spirit. Help me to have a personal love relationship with, with the Spirit and with the Son and with the Father. Help me to understand the gospel. Praying for, for the spiritual so that then we can go out into the horizontal and be effective at helping equip other people. Helping to speak to other people. But we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask the Holy Spirit. Everything that we do, we should be doing uh, by the Holy Spirit. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, uh, these are the children of God. But many people pray, and it's, it's with the Spirit, all right, but it's not the Holy Spirit. And we need to be careful. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but sometimes people pray, and it's just not about the Holy Spirit. It's all about sensual, selfish stuff. And I'm not saying you never ask, oh, Lord, I'd like to get a new car. Uh, it's okay to pray that. But you don't say, Lord, I'd like to get a new car and then go out the next day and buy one. You should pray for it a while and pray about it a while and then maybe even take the one that he gives you instead of the one you want. I mean, I'm just saying, you got to pray and ask God about these things. 
but we go out in our flesh and we just do it because we can and it's possible. Keep yourself. Notice that that automatically has the connotation that you're already in the love of God. It means you're already there. So keep yourself there. Keep yourself in the place of blessing. Keep yourself in the place where the Spirit is leading. Keep yourself in the place where you're in the love of God. God is love. And, and, and He wants to grow in us the fruit of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if we're, uh, uh, we're someplace grieving the Holy Spirit and we're not listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing, He cannot conform us into His image. Keep yourself. Keep means... Um, um, to watch, to guard uh, from loss or injury by keeping an eye on. It actually means to keep unmarried. In other words, when you're keeping yourself in the love of God, don't go out and let something else love you. Don't go get married to something else. He has to be first or he doesn't want any other place. And if you're betrothed to him as a chaste virgin which that's how Paul says he betrothed them. So I know that's how we're betrothed by the Spirit of God when we believe as we become a chaste virgin again, then we need to be preparing ourselves for the wedding supper of the Lamb because he wants to walk us down the aisle to the Father and consummate the marriage. So we need to keep yourselves in the love of God understanding the love of God it's the agape of God his benevolence his love feast his charity and I almost think it speaks of even being in fellowship you know we got the word here the prayer and fellowship is all in this text uh, because it, it, this word is used for love feast in 1 Corinthians it's used for the love feast that they would have where they we call them potlucks, we call them pitch-in dinners. They called them love feasts, where they would come together in agape feasts. And, and they would have these feasts. And, and so I, I think all of that is part of it. Fellowship with God um, and fellowship with others. He called it the common salvation in, in verse 3. And that's the word koinos, where we get koinonia, which means all things in common. Where we have all things in common. If we're not meeting together, we're not spending time together, we're not eating together, then we don't even know what things we're supposed to have in common. But we do know we need to have the love of God in common because God is love. And it means charity also. So charity, uh, keep yourself in the charity of God, a place where God is giving to you all the time. A place where you're hearing from Him all the time. A place where you're spending time in prayer. You're spending time in the Word. And you're receiving from God. Because grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And we keep receiving them and growing if we keep ourselves in the love of God. In that love relationship with God as He's washing and cleansing us. And think about it. That's what He wants to do. He wants to adorn us and to clothe us and prepare us for that wedding. So how hard is it going to be if we just say, Lord, that's what I want. Holy Spirit, lead me into that. Teach me that. Help me to draw near to that. Help me to be part of that instead of running off and 
being married to the world or married to my job or married to something that is going to deceive me and lead me into apostasy like much of the rest of the church. Looking, is that next? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Because that's how we're really saved is, is mercy. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5, and 6. In fact, let's look at Titus 2, 11. What are you building on? You can only build with truth. Truth is a person. You can only build with the spirit of truth that leads you into all truth. What did I say? Titus 2.11? Look here. We're, we're uh, looking for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What did he do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking, there it is, for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. No, his doctrine's not messed up. He's our great God and Savior. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. Think about that. Is that what you're thinking about when you think salvation? That we're redeemed from every lawless deed? Because we still practice lawless deeds, but we've been redeemed from them. And purify sanctification for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with what? All authority. Listen, it's all about authority. They reject authority. When we reject authority, let no one despise you. We're supposed to speak the word of God because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore, and he gives us that same authority, but not to go out and make up a gospel, not to go out and just say something that's close, but to go out and share the truth of the gospel with people, to tell them the good news that their sins are paid for, and that they'll believe in Jesus and, and, and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raising from the dead, they shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Delivered completely across the finish line. So looking for the mercy. Again, mercy is not getting what we deserve. That's a good way of putting mercy. It's compassion. But grace is getting what we don't deserve. And then justice is getting exactly what we deserve. Mercy, getting what we don't deserve. <clears throat> or excuse me, not getting what we do deserve. Mercy is. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And then justice is getting what we do deserve. 
And how do we do this as we're going out? We're trying to avoid apostasy. We don't want to be following apostates and liars and chasing the same thing that other apostates chase. We want to be in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And then it should look like this. And on some have mercy. On some have compassion. Making a distinction. Listen to me. This is how we should go out when we go. Because all authority has been given to us. We want to, it means, uh, compassion means to compassionate. Uh, by word and deed, we're giving divine grace and we're showing mercy. But we make a distinction. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit and know, is this person actually an apostate? Is this person actually teaching it? Is this person actually multiplying it? Is this person actually just being deceived by somebody and following false doctrine? You want to have compassion on some, but then some you save with fear. So you have to be led by the Spirit. How do I know which ones to have compassion on? How do I know which ones to save for fear? But we want to be able to do this. But others save, deliver with fear, phobos, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Listen, their marriage garment is defiled by the flesh. By, whether it's false teachers and apostates, whether it's them doing their own sensual thing, chasing their own nature, living their way, but they're not looking to do the will of God, and so their garment is defiled by the flesh. Look what it says, pulling them out of the fire. They're, they're in the fire. The interesting thing is that's the word harpazo. It's the same word that's used for the rapture of the church. Harpazo. It means to snatch them out violently by force. Harpazo. To seize, a catching away, to pluck, to take by force. It's used in, in 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, for the, the catching away or the for the uh, rapture of the church. Hating even the garment. You begin to grow. Your new nature is growing. You're learning about Jesus. And then you defile it by fleshly living. Now to him who is able to keep you. Oh. Oh, really? Really? Keep yourself in the love of God. And then we're praying a benediction, a doxology to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Do you know that God's able to keep you from stumbling? His truth is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now I'm thinking about we walking down the aisle and the joy that Christ will have that he's got us across the finish line. And I'm thinking, dude, you did it all. And you're here with joy. He counted it all joy when he faced the cross. He counted it all joy. He despised the shame, but is now set down at the right hand of the Father on high. He counts it joy. His delight was always with the sons of men. Proverbs 8 tells us, that's amazing. And then Jude breaks out with calling him to God our Savior. 
who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Listen, you can trust God. He will keep you. He will build you up in most holy of faith. What you have to do is surrender and choose that you want to follow him and not these apostate teachers that say in your once and done. It's, it's all, you're okay now. You can go live any way you want, however you want. It's not true. If you have the Spirit of God in you, why would you want to go get married to somebody else when you're married to the Lord of glory? Why would you not want to come back under his authority? Why would you want to continue to reject his authority the same way that Eve did and ended up in this sinful mess that we needed a Savior? We don't want to do the same thing over and over and over. He's faithful. He is able. Philippians 1.6 says that uh, being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will complete it. You can trust him. Don't listen to the apostates. Don't follow their example. Follow the example of Hebrews chapter 11. Those who run the race before us and have finished and they live by faith and they look for the kingdom not made of hands. I wish we had time to go into that, but you can read it. It can be your homework. And look at those who have crossed the finish line and heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Next week's verse. Ephesians 6, 10. Many of you might already know it. Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the... Oh. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10 Listen, that's what we're looking at. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your power. You can't do it with your desires. You can't do it with your old nature, your sin nature. It has to be with the new nature that was given to us by the Holy Spirit and, and allowing it to grow in our hearts and come out in our works and our actions. We have to build ourselves up in the most holy of faith and be praying in the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to actually have his way in our life every day, all the time, and confessing when we're not. So Ephesians 6.10 is your memory verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you know, to contrast that, today... We know the last days that they say that there's going to be a form of godliness which denies the power thereof, living according to their own sensual, selfish self, not according to the kingdom of God and the power of God and his salvation. Be careful rejecting authority. That's where we got into this mess from. We want to come back underneath the authority of God's word. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Uh, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh and anew upon us and we would learn to articulate that voice and be led by him and we would humble ourselves and stay low so he can bring fruit into our lives and we would share it with others, uh, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Lord, that we would not want to make golden calves and
and, and build other gods and be mockers and scoffers about you, Lord. We know you're coming soon. We know you're coming back. We don't know if we'll see that day, uh, if we'll go in the rapture, or if we will give up the ghost and then be with you in spirit. But, Lord, we look forward to it. We trust you. We know it's the finish line, and we're not afraid of it. Pour out your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.